Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. When I came to discover that Jesus is the Messiah, I had a number of issues. I had a number of struggles that I had to work through. The biggest struggle that I had was definitely how do I deal with the law? What role does the law have in my life now? Because when I first got saved, I was devoted to living a life of obedience to the Mosaic Law, or at least I attempted to. I was trying to. I was definitely very sincere trying to be right with God. I had reached a very low point in my life experience, and so as a result, I thought, you know, perhaps I ought to try to get right with God. And I was doing so with great sincerity, with great effort, to try to become a better person. And from what I could tell, this was the absolute definition of good, and that our God gave us the law as a means of becoming a better person. That's what I believed. That certainly wasn't the case. Instead, I discovered later that the law was given in order to make us worse people, in order to make us more sinful people, that that was one of the reasons why he gave the law, in order to drive us to the point of despair so that we could see that we had a need for his grace and mercy. That was one of the reasons why he gave the law. But one of the issues that I had to personally struggle with was no longer trying to live in obedience to the law, no longer trying to do all that God had said as he defined it in the Mosaic Law. That was a big struggle for me because I needed to know why. I needed to have a reason as to why I would not try to do certain things. The laws concerning Passover were definitely very important to me because there were a number of places that he said in the scriptures that this was to be an everlasting covenant, that this was to be something that I was supposed to observe no matter what. For example, in Exodus chapter 12, verse 14, he says, Now this day will be a memorial to you, and you shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations, you are to celebrate it as a permanent ordinance. Well, if it is a permanent ordinance, then by definition, it is to always be observed. It is an ordinance that I am to follow, and if I do not do so, if I fail to observe this in any way whatsoever, then by definition, I will have sinned. And this wasn't the only commandment that I looked at. For example, do not murder. That's a good one right there. Do not steal. That if I put the law aside, if I embrace the new covenant in the way that it was presented to me by the Lord, I was very concerned about letting go of the old because I feared that I would violate many of these commandments. Things like do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And when it came to the Passover, I could look at it in the same way, that I needed to always obey the laws of Passover, the laws of the Sabbath. I needed to obey those as well, that this was the absolute definition of sin. And so if this is the definition of sin, then to not obey these commands is to sin. 
And there were many things that I was being confronted with concerning the new covenant and the implications of what Jesus had done for me. There were many things that would turn me away from trying to live in obedience to these commandments. There were many things that were being shown to me, and I was unwilling to let go of any law, of any commandment, until he showed me why, under what circumstances, for what reasons. Now, some of these were easy. For example, do not murder. Well, I don't need the law to know not to murder someone. That's easy to deal with. When the Lord puts his love in my heart, when he loves me, when he accepts me, when he forgives me, when he embraces me in the condition that I am in, he can do a work in my heart to the extent where I will no longer want to commit murder. And so I don't need the commandment not to do that. I certainly don't pursue that. I don't need the law for that purpose because I have the Holy Spirit within me who will accomplish that, who will do a work within me to not do that. The same thing with stealing. He has done a work in my heart in such a way that I no longer have any interest in stealing anything from anyone, whereas there was a time in my life when I did struggle with that. And there are many other laws that I can point to in the scriptures where I can say, you know, I don't need the commandment to tell me not to do that, to not do that. I don't have a problem with that. But there were other things, such as the laws of Passover, the Sabbath law, where he needed to share a few more insights with me than just something as simple as that. Because I could obey the laws of Passover. I could try to obey the Sabbath law. I could give it great effort. I could try to do that out of the energy of my flesh, of course, and out of wanting him to bless me and out of wanting to avoid any sense of sinning. I could pursue that with enough interest and with enough commitment and with enough incentive. I could do that. So he had to work with me on these things, and he had to work with me on these laws in a very individual way. Now, of course, I did do a series of programs on the Sabbath law, and so I'm not going to refer to that in this program, not in the sense of the foreshadowing and the reality that we now have in Christ Jesus. In this program, I'd like to talk about the everlasting nature of the Old Covenant, especially as it relates to the laws of Passover. That's what I would like to focus on in this program, is the everlasting covenant that was described by our God in the context of Passover. Because Passover was given as an everlasting commandment. It was something that we were to do, and if we did not do that, then we would commit sin. Now, I say we in the sense of the nation of Israel, because it was never given to the other nations. It was never given to all the other people in the world. It was only given to the nation of Israel. And so if I am a member of the nation of Israel, and I fail to observe the Passover to observe the festival, the feast, then technically I will have sinned. That's a very serious issue, a very serious matter, because I don't want to sin. I don't want to sin against my God. I don't want to violate him, and I do not want to violate his people or any of the people that he has created. So how did I deal with this? How did I resolve this in a way that I could be set free from the burden of ensuring that I lived in obedience to this commandment, even though I certainly was not living in obedience to this commandment because the law required a number of things that I was not doing. For example, it required me to be in Jerusalem every year, and I was not doing that. The law required me to perform a sacrifice of a lamb on the 14th day of the month, and I certainly wasn't doing that. And so even though I was struggling with the issue of should I obey, should I observe, should I participate, should I not, 
I wasn't doing it anyway. And so when I look back on this issue and I look back on the struggle that I was having, I kind of feel a little awkward about it because I wasn't really able to observe it anyway. I wasn't doing it anyway. Hardly anybody has done it for a long time, even in the nation of Israel today. Who really observes all that the commandments require? Now, people have given a lot of rationalizations about this. They say things like, well, the temple is not there, the priesthood is not established, and so we can't sacrifice in the way that our God told us to. I understand these issues. I'm not going to get into these issues. I'm only going to talk about the subject of this being an everlasting covenant in the context of why would I not observe it? Because my failure to observe it would be, by definition, sin. So how do I deal with this? How do I deal with this really? Well, one of the ways that I deal with this is by understanding that the Passover was used by our God to describe the coming of the Messiah, how the Messiah would accomplish salvation, and he also used the laws of Passover in order to describe the new covenant that we have entered into. And so I can look at it from that point of view. But in this program, I'd like to look at it from a different point of view, and that point of view has to do with the penalty of violating the law. There is a penalty for violating the law. Some people are aware of this, but unfortunately, very few people know what the real penalty is. I did a couple of programs on the dietary laws, for example, and in those programs I talked about conversations that I've had in the past with people where I've asked them, what is the penalty for eating a bacon double cheeseburger? What is the penalty for violating the dietary laws? Well, the penalty is that you are unclean until evening. That's the penalty. You are unclean until evening, which means that you need to leave the camp until evening, and then you can come back into the camp. That's what that means. That's what the penalty is. It isn't death. We don't take you out to the city limits and throw rocks at you until you are dead. That's not the penalty. And yet we put so much emphasis on this commandment. Why do we do that? Why do we put so much emphasis on the dietary laws sometimes? Why do people do that? The reason why people do that, I think, is because those laws are easier to obey. And the Passover law is very similar. It's very easy to obey. It's very easy to observe and remember the exodus from Egypt. But what is the penalty for violating the laws of Passover, for not observing the Passover like our God said? The penalty was described in a number of places, but in this program I'm going to read from Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapter 9, verse 13. In Numbers, chapter 9, verse 13, it says, But the man who is clean, referring to a person who could observe the Passover at the appointed time, and is not on a journey and yet neglects to observe the Passover, that person shall then be cut off from his people, for he did not present the offering of the Lord at its appointed time. That man will bear his sin. Yes, it is sin. It is defined as sin. But what is the penalty for this sin? It is to be cut off from the nation of Israel which means that you are going to be exiled. It means that you are going to be excommunicated. It means that you no longer have a place there in the nation. What are you going to do if you have no place in the nation of Israel? Well, you're going to leave town, and you're going to go to another nation. You're going to go to another country. You're going to go be with other people. That's your only alternative. That's the penalty. Now, I realize that many people really want to be a part of the nation of Israel. Many people really want to be a part of the nation. 
And there are many reasons for that. For example, they know that the living God is performing miracles through that nation. They know that the true and living God is doing a work with that people, that he is doing things with the people in order to reveal himself to the entire world, and they want to participate in that. They want to be a part of that. And so there are many people who find this to be very threatening, that they do not want to be cut off from the entire nation, that they want instead to become a part of the nation. But that's the penalty, and that's what I want to point out, is that the penalty is very, very simple. It means that you can no longer have a part of the nation of Israel. Now, what defines the nation of Israel? The law that our God gave through Moses was what defined the nation of Israel. And so if you are exiled, if you are excommunicated, if you are kicked out of the nation, you need to understand something very important, and that is that it is not possible. It is no longer possible for you to live in obedience to the Mosaic law. There are many laws, the Passover included, there are many laws that require you to have access to Jerusalem, to the Levitical priesthood, to the temple or the tabernacle, you must have access. And if the people do not allow you to have access, then you cannot live in obedience to the commandments that were given by God through Moses. Now, I understand that you can say, well, I'll just do the best I can. Well, let me tell you something. That is not what God required. He said you must do it all. Not the best you can, but do it all. And so this is how serious this issue is. The Samaritans were confronted with this. This was the controversy between the Samaritans and the Pharisees, that the Samaritans were not willing to embrace all of the Pharisaical laws. And so the Pharisees prevented them, prevented the Samaritans from observing the commandments as Moses declared. That was the issue between the Pharisees and the Samaritans. I talked about this in a couple of programs that I did on the history of the Samaritans, where I explained this in detail. I also followed that up with a few other programs where I described how Jesus used the Samaritans in order to show the Pharisees that they were certainly not as impressive as they thought they were. The Samaritans were a wonderful example of this, and you also will be confronted with this if you don't have access. If you do not have access to the nation of Israel, then you cannot obey all of the commandments that God required you to obey. And if you do not obey all of them, then you will be cursed by God. That's how serious this issue is, and you cannot escape it. And I was confronted with this, and I had to decide... Am I really going to embrace the new covenant? Am I going to embrace forgiveness to the extent where my sin is no longer a barrier between myself and my God? When I was confronted with that, I realized that I no longer was bound to the Mosaic law, that I was free from it. Now, I had the freedom to observe it. I'm not saying that I didn't have to. I had the freedom to do so. However, there were parts of it that I was not able to do without contradicting my belief in the Messiah and what he accomplished. So I had the freedom to do so, but there were some issues that were preventing me from doing so, and this is what I was struggling with. I was struggling with the subject of Passover. Then I was confronted with what the Lord Jesus said at his last Passover. As I was reading through the New Testament, I encountered Luke chapter 22, verses 15 and 16. In Luke chapter 22, verses 15 and 16, there's a description 
of what the Lord Jesus had to say about the last Passover that he was observing. And I was very concerned because he said in Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 15, he said, And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He said that he would no longer observe the festival of Passover. How could he say this? I mean, how could he really say this? Because if our God defined the laws of Passover, and if he said that if you failed to observe them, then you would sin, Numbers chapter 9, verse 13, you would sin if you did not obey the law of Passover, if you did not observe the law of Passover. And here Jesus said that he's no longer going to observe it. I mean, he could still observe it. Why does he have to say that? He can come back. He came back after he rose from the dead. He ate with people. He talked with people. He spent some time in Jerusalem. He walked with a few people on the road to Emmaus. They didn't know who he was until after he revealed himself to them. So why couldn't he come back once a year? You know, sneak back into Jerusalem and observe the Passover. He doesn't even have to tell people that he's there. He can just say, Listen, I want you to know that I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there every year. I'm not going to show you who I am. I'm not going to let anybody know that I'm there. Maybe I will the last minute before I leave. You know, something like that. He could have done that. He could come back and he can observe it. He does not have to let go of it. Why would he say that he is no longer going to observe it? It's a very important question to ask. Now, people have resolved this by saying things like, well, he was dead. No, he's not. Jesus is alive. That's the point. If he was dead, then that would be easy to explain. But Jesus is alive. He resurrected. He is the living God. He can always come back and observe this. So why is it that he gets to be free from the laws of Passover, but I cannot be free from the laws of Passover? This is what I was struggling with. This is what I was dealing with. Now, the real answer to this issue is found in the fact that when he died, he died to the world and he became alive to his God. And when the Holy Spirit is restored to us, we are then dead to the world and we are alive to our God. To me, that's the bottom line. That's where this issue was settled in my own heart. When I came to fully understand that I am dead in Christ and I am also alive in Christ. I am dead in Christ from the point of view of the world, that I am dead to the world. And being dead to the world, while I have the freedom and the liberty to observe whatever I want to observe, I have the freedom and liberty to obey whatever I want to obey. I can do that, and even if I do that, and it contradicts what my God has already revealed to me and what he has already done for me, I still have the freedom to do so. And if I sin in that way, I know that I am forgiven and that he will not hold the sin against me of observing a law that contradicts the revelation of the Messiah. I understand that. I am fully free to do so. But I am dead to the world. I am dead to the world and I am also dead to the nation of Israel. I am dead to the nation of Israel that was defined by the Mosaic law. Just as Jesus is dead to the nation of Israel that was defined by the Mosaic law. He is dead to that. 
we also are dead to that. But we are not dead to that for the purpose of now being able to go out and indulge our flesh without any concern whatsoever. That's not why we embrace the Messiah. We embrace the Messiah so that we can be made alive. And I have been made alive. But by being made alive and now being able to walk in the newness of life that has been presented to me, a life of trust, a life of rest, in what my God has already done for me, instead of living according to what I think I might be able to do for him, I now live in a way that I am separated from the nation of Israel. Now, when I was first struggling with this, I was very concerned. But I want you to know that today, I don't struggle with this at all. I really don't. The life that I have in Christ Jesus and the relationship that I have with the living God is much greater than the life that I had under the Mosaic Law and the relationship that I had with the people of Israel. That, to me, is a worthy exchange. And to me, I can see that I needed to be separated from the nation of Israel. I needed to be dead to the law. Because if I was not fully separated from the nation of Israel, then I could not be fully joined and united and experience the full relationship that my God has called me to. And what makes this very difficult for people to consider, what makes it very difficult for people to embrace and why they feel so threatened by this is because they assume that if they are cast out of the nation of Israel, then that means that they need to enter into the world of the Gentiles and they now have to embrace a life in the world, a life in sin. It has been assumed that it's either Israel or the world. It's either the commandments of Moses or it's indulgence of the flesh. And I'm here to tell you right now that those are not the only options. Those certainly were the only options that he described in the Old Covenant. In the Old Covenant, he made that very clear that it's either in the nation of Israel or you are going to be cut off. And there were many opportunities to be cut off from the nation of Israel. You were to be cut off, in which case you'd have to go into the world. And so those were your only two options. But through the coming of the Messiah, there is a third option. And the third option is the kingdom of heaven. It is not the kingdom of Israel, and it is not the kingdoms in the world. It is the kingdom of heaven. It is something entirely different. But to truly enter into it, you must die to the world, and you must also die to the nation of Israel. Only then can you enter in to the new life according to the new covenant. And so when I saw Jesus say this, that he was no longer going to observe the Passover, I was initially very concerned. I was initially very threatened by this. But later on, I came to understand the fact that he is dead to the law, that there is no law that can have any authority over him. The Levitical priesthood had no authority over him. No king any longer had any authority over him. That he was completely dead to the world, but he was also alive to the kingdom of heaven. And through this, he showed me that I also am dead to the world, that the world has no authority over me at all. Not for the purpose of giving me the opportunity to now go out and violate the world or violate the nation of Israel, no, but for the purpose of giving me the opportunity to be alive to the kingdom of heaven and to enter into the new covenant and a new life in Christ Jesus. And so from that point of view, I recognized 
that it's not such a big deal to be cut off from the nation of Israel. In fact, in order to fully embrace the new covenant, you must separate yourself from the nation of Israel. You know, I personally believe that this is one of the reasons why the Apostle Paul was able to reveal the new covenant in its fullness. Why he was able to explain the differences between living under the law and living under grace. Because he was separated from the nation of Israel. When he went out into the Gentile world, he was free to teach people the truth that it's okay to be separated from the nation of Israel. But within the nation of Israel, he could not have successfully done that. Not in the same way. And so I believe that this is an important revelation for us to see and for us to consider that he gave the commandments for the purpose of eventually putting us in a situation where we would have to be separated from the nation of Israel if we were to fully embrace the new covenant as he gave it. That's what I believe. Now, he did say that he would present a new covenant to the house of Israel, but again, only some of them embraced it. Those who did not had to continue to live according to the flesh, not according to the Spirit. But when you understand that the Lord Jesus removes himself from the nation of Israel by doing this, when you understand that if he is resurrected and he says that he's no longer going to observe the Passover, when you understand the implications of this and the seriousness of this, then you can see that he himself is also cut off from the nation of Israel. But from his point of view, it's perfectly acceptable because he is the living God. He is the Messiah. And we are joined to him. And when we are, we enter into something new, something greater, where we now worship him through the true tabernacle, the true temple that is in heaven, where the true ark is. The one here on earth was nothing more than a copy, but the real one is the one in heaven, and that is where he serves. And we are in him, and we serve him in the new and living way, according to the new covenant and the inheritance that we have received as a result of his death. And this inheritance is greater than any blessing that was described in the law. Many people do not want to embrace the new covenant because they still want to be blessed with the blessings described in the law. But the blessings of the new covenant are so much greater that in comparison, it is as if the blessings of the old covenant are nothing. And those of the new covenant, described as your inheritance, are everything. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937 or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Thank you,